We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Desiree Levy, recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Um, you know, there was a song this morning in our, um, in our worship set that I didn't know they were doing, but, um, you know, the, you have no equal, your name is supreme. And um, that was like a special gift just for me, um, because when I was heavily pregnant with Harper and we lived in Masterton, I um, was teaching our foundations course, which is our new Christians um, course at church. And um, if you've been like, you know, overdue pregnant... You kind of understand how tired I was probably feeling at that moment <laughs> in my flesh. And um, I just remember going, oh, God, okay, I'll go, I'll do it because I've committed and I want to, you know, I want to teach these people your word and I want to explain the foundations of Christianity. And, and so I did it and, um, you know, my whole body was aching and I was exhausted. And I get back in the car to drive back to my house and I didn't have the radio on, didn't have any music on, we hadn't done any worship at um, the foundations course because it was just straight in teaching, getting through some Bible stuff. And um, I could hear that song playing and um, I was driving home and I was like, oh, I thought I had the radio off and I like turned the knobs and stuff and like doesn't change anything. And so I'm like, where is that worship coming from? And um, so I wind down the window and like literally it's just everywhere. I'm just hearing that song. And I just believe that it was the angels singing a song for me saying, you know, he has no equal. His name is supreme. You're loved. You're treasured. You're valued. And I was just, this morning when I heard that song, I was just like, wow, thanks, Jesus. <laughs> just reminded that I'm loved, I'm treasured. And, um, and I just want you know, to share that with you this morning, that you would, um, you would also be loved and treasured and valued by God and that you'd feel that you know, his name really does have no equal, that he is supreme. He is above all. He is the beginning and the end. Um, there is nothing that he cannot do. And um, he holds the whole world in his hands. And um, he can play music when there's no radio. <laughs> and um, I pulled into my driveway and the music just stopped. And I was like, oh, I should have kept going. <laughs> it was so good. So this morning I'm continuing on in our theme of In the Name of Jesus. Um, Pastor Will was in India. And um, he's ministering, doing some men's events and some worship stuff and other things. And I'm um, talking with people and doing a bit of like a, a recce, I guess we call it, um, for some building work that needs to happen over there and partnering with the church that's over there. So that's where he is and he's having a great time. But um, this morning I am bringing the word in, um, in the name of Jesus. And the title of my message or the, um, the main theme is, What Happens Up the Hill Matters in the Valley. So what happens up the hill matters in the valley. So let's do a quick um, scriptural recap before we go much further, just on the stuff that Pastor Will has covered over the last couple of weeks, just to give us context, and then I will launch into what happens up the hill, matters in the valley. Holy God, this morning we come before you and we just pray that you would have your way, that we would hear your word, that we would have an encounter with you personally, that we'd be transformed by your presence, that Holy Spirit, you would speak so clearly, so individually, so personally. And mighty God, I pray that you would help me to articulate what you want to say today, God. This is such a big topic and such a great thing. And I just pray that you would put the words in my mouth, the fire on my tongue, that I'd be able to speak your words and that truly land in the hearts of your people. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So a couple of scriptures that Pastor Will has been preaching from and that the theme has been birthed out of was Philippians 2, 9 to 11. I'm going to run through these pretty quick. 
Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And in John 14, 12 to 14, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works, Jesus speaking here, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And then Acts 19 verses 13 through to 20. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and to the Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars, and so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Basically, to wrap up those three really powerful scriptures is that the name of Jesus is high above every other name, and that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, that whatever we ask for in Jesus' name, He can do, and He will do, to bring glory to the Father. The motive is always to bring glory to the Father. But sometimes, like in Acts 19, we've been left battered and bruised and perhaps a bit naked, disappointed when we've used the name of Jesus and we haven't seen what we wanted to see. It hasn't turned out how we hoped it would turn out. And there comes a time in our lives when we must reclothe ourselves and go again, where we must pick up our faith and say, even if I didn't see what I needed to see, God is still good. God is still who he says he is, and God will still do what he says he will do. And the remnants of a miracle might be at our feet, but we go again, and we go in the name of Jesus because we don't understand everything. So we go again, we pick ourselves up, we wield the name of Jesus like a weapon, and we say, come on, in the name of Jesus, I'm going again. There is supreme power in the name of Jesus. Um, There's a funny story in my own personal life about using the name of Jesus. And I've been having this conversation with my kids, and some of you will have heard this story before because I love it, so I've shared it everywhere. But I was having this conversation with my kids about um, monsters aren't real, you don't need to be scared. And um, a couple of my kids are quite prophetic, and they do see things, and they do see in the spiritual realm a little bit. And um, we're talking about this whole concept, and I was saying, you don't need to be scared, you don't need to fear. And I'd just been reading a book by um, Cindy Jacobs, And it was called The Voice of God. And she had a whole chapter dedicated to how our children hear God and how um, they actually see things that sometimes we don't see because they're more pure. They haven't yet been polluted um, by some of the world. And um, instead of saying, you know, this is not real, things are not real, we actually need to give them power to overcome the things that might be coming against them and simply to tell the monster to go in the name of Jesus. So Harps and I were having this conversation in the car, and this was when she was really little, so she was probably like just three. 
And um, I decided to give her this power rather than just tell her it'll be okay. So I said to her, okay, so monsters aren't real and we don't need to be afraid of them. But if you did see something, <laughs> if you did see something that was um, scaring you a little bit or you were frightened, you just need to say, go in the name of Jesus and it will flee and you'll be fine. And so she was like, okay, cool, got it. Yep. And so we carried on with our day and we didn't talk about it again. And about a week later, it was a snow day. Now, I love snow days because we get to stay home. And um, we put on all our snow gear and we just play in the snow. And so me and the kids were doing this. And um, we're putting on all our gear and then going outside and playing. And then, then when you come in, of course, you have to take all the wet gear off <laughs> and get warm. And so I was you know, pressing the heat pump button and it just stopped working and it wasn't going. And I was like not happy right now. I want to be inside and warm. I'm no longer outside and cold. And so I'm like pressing the button and I'm pointing it at it and I'm getting really cross. And um, Harper comes and she sees what I'm doing and she just stands on the dining room table, which was right near the heat pump. She just gets up there, <laughs> climbs right up and she points at it and she just says, you go in the name of Jesus. And it went. <laughs> I'm actually not kidding. It turned on. And I was like, yes, she got it. <laughs> you know, there's some times in our life where we just need to stand on the dining room table <laughs> and shout at some things and go, you go in the name of Jesus. <laughs> when you haven't got anything else to say, when you don't even understand it all, when you've just been given one tool, stand on your dining room table and just be like, you go in the name of Jesus, because there is power in the name of Jesus. And I think sometimes we have been desensitized or we've just been like numbed a little bit by life. And we need to get back to that place where we've just got ferocious faith, where we just say, well, mum said it, so I'm just going to say it. <laughs> you know, she didn't have any backing for it. She didn't understand it all, but she just had been told something and she just hopped up in faith and said, go in the name of Jesus. And I think, you know, with one word sometimes, with one command, Jesus can still your storm. He can come right into your life, wherever you're at, whatever's going on, and he can move on your behalf with one word, with one cry in the name of Jesus. He is the Lord of the breakthrough. There is nothing that he cannot do. His arm has not lost its power. He is God. He's in control. Faith is just believing that God is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he will do. It's a little faith in a big God. And, you know, I want us as a church to learn to live in that kind of place where we're, like, just at rest before him, knowing that he is creator God, that he is almighty God. And in the name of Jesus, things can go. Things can flee. Stuff can shift. Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's faith that we operate in, in the name of Jesus. So my scriptures for today, my main text is found in the book of John. And we're going to go to three chapters, 14, 15, and 16. And we're just going to pick a couple of verses from these places. And then um, to a story in Exodus 17 that I want to sort of finish up with about the hill and the valley. So um, let's have a look first. The book of gospel, the John, the gospel book, New Testament. Now, this is the only one of the gospel books. So, you know, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the only one that has these three things, these three statements, these three conversations that Jesus was having with his disciples where he repeats the same thing three times. So let's have a look. John 14, 12 to 14 again. And this was one of the scriptures that Pastor Will started the series with. Um, and I might have only given you, oh, good, thank you, Isaiah. 
I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And then if we go to John 15, so we've been in John 14, then we just skip down to John 15, verse 16 to 17. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. And then down to John 16. So you see, Jesus is like, you know, repetition here. (laughs) You know, sometimes when you're studying or when you're learning something new or where you have to learn a new way, repetition really does help us here. And three times, three chapters, 14, 15, 16, Jesus is saying the same thing. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. Three times three chapters, just before he goes to the cross. Pretty important stuff. Jesus is like, hey, I want to tell you a new principle. I want to talk to you about something. When you ask, ask in my name. When you pray, pray in my name. And God can grant your requests. Why did they need to be reminded? Do we sometimes need to be reminded? Do we sometimes forget that we pray in the name of Jesus? You know, authentic Christianity, spirit-filled Christianity is releasing the power of God through prayer. It's what we're meant to do. It's the default setting. It's how the church was birthed. 2,000 years ago, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. There was fire. There was wind. There was speaking in tongues. There was prophecy. There was dreams. There was vision. And that's how the church began. That is the church in its first setting, which is how we are meant to be modeling church today. The first church, powerfully, radically saved, carrying the gospel, praying in the name of Jesus. Let's be that kind of church. Spirit-filled Christians who pray in the name of Jesus. The mountains that we live in, the places that we operate in, the worlds that we exist in need us to be spirit-filled Christians who pray in the name of Jesus. Need us to actually revert back to our default setting, back to how we were designed to live. You know, um, much of the advancement of the church through history, I was doing a little bit of research, is actually the biggest amount of growth has happened in the Pentecostal church. So in the spirit-filled church is where we've seen the largest increase. So if we just took like a 44-year um, gap in church. So 1970s through to 2010s around there, the church has more than doubled in that time. So there was like 1.2 billion Christians. Now there's 2.6 billion Christians. But the number of um, spirit-filled, Bible-believing, praying in the name of Jesus Christians has gone from 63 million to 710 million. So way more than doubled. <laughs> so Let's be that church that continues the advancement of the kingdom through prayer in the name of Jesus, that actually sees stuff shift, who gets back to our default setting, how Jesus said, hey, I'm going, but here, have the Holy Spirit. You can pray in my name, ask in my name, and it can be done. You know, there's a few reasons I think that we don't pray in the name of Jesus. A few things that creep in 
and rob us and stop us having dining room table kind of faith where we just shout at things and declare go in the name of Jesus. You know, maybe something like complacency. Oh, it's not bothering me, so I don't need to pray. Oh, that hurricane, that's not coming near my house, so I don't need to pray. Or maybe we don't think it quite as, you know, horribly as that. (laughs) But, you know, maybe it's not affecting our world enough. And so we're complacent with just the status quo and we're happy with how things are in our patch and it's not bothering us too much so we don't step out and pray in the name of Jesus for somebody else. What about unbelief? You know, deep down maybe we just really don't believe that prayer changes anything. That if we really believe that time in prayer equaled miracles, would we spend more time in prayer? Would we see our marriages look different, our kids, our workplaces our circumstances, our lives. You know, I think Pastor Will touched on this last week. You know, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. Help me to overcome. What about discouragement? Perhaps we've experienced some disappointment. Like in Acts 19, we've been left naked, battered, bruised. And we're just like, oh, I don't know if I can go again. I remember a season in my life when I probably felt all three of those things all at once. And I just didn't believe that something could work out in the name of Jesus, that I couldn't see what God could see. And, um, you know, I was chatting with God about it. And um, revelation is always far superior to my own brain. I like to call that humanation instead of revelation. But, you know, the stuff that I think myself is never going to be as good as what God can tell me. And so I went to him in this moment when I was feeling complacency, unbelief, disappointment, and asked him, God, will you speak? God, I want to go again, but, you know, I don't know if I can. I'm feeling a bit dry here, God. I'm feeling a bit lost here. I'm feeling a bit powerless here. And he's like, Desiree, I know the plans I have for you, and they are for good. Will you believe me for the best plan, or will you just carry on? Will you believe me? Will you hop back in line with my will? Will you hop back in line with my purposes? You know, these are real feelings, real experiences that we have all had in our life. But let's not be ruled by what we can see and what we can feel. We need to lift above our humanity and go back to that place of, I will pray anyway. I will pray in the name of Jesus. I will shout at that thing until I see it moved. Because we can't always understand it all. But faith is God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. You know, there are a couple of characteristics of God that sometimes we get a bit warped in or that the enemy tries to pollute our thinking in. How about the sovereignty of God? Have we ever said, oh, well, God will just do whatever he wants anyway, so why would I pray? But sovereignty doesn't mean that. Sovereignty means supremacy. The supreme ruler of the universe. The enemy whispers to us, hey, why pray? God's going to do whatever he wants. You don't need to ask him. You don't need to bother him. You don't need to talk to him. Or sometimes we sweep our unfulfilled promises under that banner too. Oh, it's just the sovereignty of God. And he essentially gets blamed for any lack in our lives. But sovereignty of God doesn't mean that. doesn't mean he'll just do whatever he wants. That's a misinterpretation of his will. His will, and we're told in the Bible is that none would perish. That's his will. That's his desire. That's his plan. 
but we have a will too. And when our will is not aligned to his will, perhaps we're not seeing the things that we wanted to see. What could happen if we merged our will with his and prayed in the name of Jesus? God is sovereign. He is the supreme ruler of the universe. Will we align our will with his? Or how about the unchangeableness of God? You know, we know in the Bible it says, Malachi 3, 6, I'm the Lord and I do not change. We know God is perfect. We know he does not change. But sometimes the enemy whispers to us, don't pray. God can't change, so don't pray. Nothing's going to change. And while it's true that God cannot change his character, who he is, he actually can change his mind and his intention and the plans. Satan knows that. The enemy knows that. The Bible says God's character is unchangeable. In the Bible, we are given a few examples of when God did change his mind as a result of prayer. Abraham, see him, Genesis 18, standing before the Lord. He's praying for Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's pleading, God, reconsider. If I find 50 righteous people, will you not do what you're going to do? Because God wanted to wipe them out because of the evil that was going on. And God said, all right, if you find 50 people. And Abraham was like, yeah, I can't find 50. So if I can find, and he starts whittling it down, 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 down to just 10 people. He's like, if I find 10 people, but there weren't even 10 righteous people there. But God heard him. God listened. God cared. And God said, okay, if you can find those people, I won't do what, I'm sa- what I said I'm going to do. Moses, he knew this concept as well. In Exodus 32, It's a good thing for the Jewish people that Moses prayed. (laughs) Because God was like, I'm done. I'm going to start over with you, Moses. And Moses was like, no. He pleaded with God, turn aside from that plan. Spare the people. And we read in Exodus 32, 14, the Lord relented from what he said he would do to the people. That the Lord, the God of the universe, he relented from that course of action because Moses prayed. What about Jonah? Jonah and the big fish. (laughs) You know, he had to do some repenting of his own first too, of course, because he was like, no, I'm not going to Nineveh. But that's because Jonah really didn't like their behavior. He really didn't like the evil and the practices that were happening in that city. And he thought, nah, I'm not going to go and give them that message. So he ran away from God, swallowed by a fish, vomited up by a fish, repented, and actually went and delivered the message and said, guys, if you don't change your way, 40 days, you're going to be overthrown. The, the whole city repented. The whole city turned back to God, and God did not destroy them. And then Jonah, this is the most hilarious part, has like this whinge at God. and is like, I told you so. I knew that you would not do that because you are a kind and merciful God, so I didn't want to deliver the message. <laughs> just cracks me up. But God cannot change his character, but he can change his mind. He will always be merciful. He will always be good. Let's be a church, a company of people who, despite some of these reasons not to pray, pray anyway, who say, no, I'm going to stand on the dining room table and I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus and something is going to shift. Let's get up the hill and actually pray, or climb up the table and actually pray. And there's a story in the Old Testament, and I just wanted to take you there for a moment and parallel this, um, what happens in the natural and what happens in the spiritual, and sort of give us a little bit of an unpacking of something good here. 
So what happens up the hill determines the results down in the valley. So if you'll turn with me to Exodus 17, we're going to take a look here at the battle. I like battles in the Old Testament. Some of them are pretty gruesome. Exodus 17. While the people of Israel were still at that place, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek with us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. What happens on the hill matters in the valley. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in a battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne, so now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. So we have this interesting scenario where um, Moses and Joshua and the people of Israel are coming up against a battle. And um, Moses is like, Joshua, you go fight the physical battle. And while you are fighting, I will be up the hill praying. So Moses goes up the hill, holds up the staff in his hand and prays. And we just read in that story that every time his hands were up, the Israelites had the advantage. Every time his hands were down, the Israelites started losing. Every time he prayed, the Israelites were winning. Every time the hands were down, the Israelites were losing. Moses sends Joshua into the physical battle, but Moses himself goes up the hill into the spiritual battle. Can you see the significance or the parallel to our own lives here? Our struggle in life is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle, the real battle, happens in the spiritual, happens in the heavenly realm. There are forces of darkness. There is an enemy that exists that does not want to see the glory of God magnified on earth. Through the use of the name of Jesus, there is an enemy that is just like, I don't want to see God's glory established. And the physical battle that we just read about, Moses, Joshua, up, down, up, down, win, lose, win, lose, parallels the spiritual battle that happens every time we pray. The valley is where our life happens, our hand-to-hand combat, the stuff that we do on a daily basis in the world with other people. You know, life in a fallen world, your human effort. But the results of your valley stuff will be determined by the time up the hill. It happens on the hill. Victory happens in prayer before it happens in the valley. It's a special secret that I'm sharing with you this morning, that what happens on the hill matters in the valley. That if we can get up the hill into prayer, something can shift in the natural. Do you need to redirect your attention this morning away from the flesh, away from the things that you see hand to hand every day, the combat, 
the daily stuff, the life, and redirect your attention back to the hill. What catches my attention in this whole story also is the length and the depth of the prayer. Exodus 17, 12, in that passage we just read, said, Moses' hands remained steady until sunset. So back in Old Testament times, often battles were from sunrise to sunset. I find that concept hilarious as well. So like they were just like, okay, see you tomorrow. And then like, <laughs> come out again tomorrow. But anyway, <laughs> from sunrise to sunset was how long they battled. And um, it says there that Moses' hands remained steady until sunset, which says to me that he stayed in prayer for 12 hours. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is a magic formula for your prayer life, <laughs> that if you spend 12 hours <laughs> up the hill in prayer, you'll see the victory that you want to see in the valley. But the concept is that sometimes the length and the depth matter. Prayer is a process, and it allows God to intervene on our behalf. Prayer expresses our humility, I need you. Prayer expresses our faith, I trust you. Prayer expresses our love, I'm coming here to meet with you. I'm coming here to seek your face. You know, I think sometimes when it comes to our needs and, and the things of everyday life, you know, like the clothes we wear and the food that we eat, we're told in the Bible that we don't even need to worry about that. And so there, you know, the prayers can be short. The prayer, the stuff can be, yep, you got this, God, I trust you. But what about the stuff that, like, eternally matters, the kingdom things, where somebody else's salvation <laughs> is at stake or somebody else's transformation is at stake. You know, that's not a clothes I wear, food I eat kind of prayer. Yeah. That's a like up the hill, 12 hours, hands raised. While the battle's happening in the flesh, I'm up the hill, praying. Sincerely, earnestly, unceasingly. If we wanna see change, sometimes the length and the depth really matter. You know, in resistance to your prayers, not seeing the breakthrough that you need, there's a, there's a battle going on in the heavenly realm. We know this from the book of Daniel, that, you know, the answer was released straight away, but it was held up in the heavenly realm. So God was like, I'm with you, but there was a battle, there was a force, there was a stalling. Keep praying in the name of Jesus. Get up the hill and pray, because what happens on the hill matters in the valley. Um, music team, you can jump up because I am almost done. While I was working on this message and studying and researching, um, a great scripture jumped out at me from Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel 2230. And it just says, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. I wonder if God sometimes is like, I just want someone to pray with me. I'm searching for someone to stand in the gap. I'm searching for someone to pray. The cry of my heart is that God would look over us and He'd go, oh yeah, I see a praying people. I see people that are prepared to get up the hill and pray, even though the battle's going on in the natural, even though the battle's going on in the flesh. You know, is there an area in your own life, some circumstance, some kingdom stuff, and you're just like, wow, maybe God's asking me to partner with Him in prayer. Maybe He's asking me to get up the hill again, to go again, to stand there and to pray, 
despite all of those natural feelings and despite all of those things and disappointments that may have been in the past. I'll get back up the hill and pray because it matters and it's making a difference in the valley. I love the concept that we've actually already been trained. If you have given your heart to Jesus, if He lives in your world, if He's the Lord of your life, then you're already full with the Holy Spirit and you have been trained in the name of Jesus. You know, in the Old Testament, we read about David coming up against Goliath, 1 Samuel 17, super famous passage of Scripture. And David sees this giant and he just says, you come at me with all of this, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. Sometimes I think we just need a little bit of David in us. We were like, hey, all of this might be going on. The valley might be hard work right now. There might be stuff happening in the valley, but I come in the name of the Lord. I'm going to get back up the hill and I'm going to stand there. I'm going to hold it up and I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. Perhaps you might need to shout a little bit like Harper. Perhaps you might need to stand on your dining room table and stomp your foot and shout at something in the name of Jesus. It's the name above every name. He is supreme. He is the Lord of all. We can boldly declare His name. We've been skilled for this battle. We have been trained in the name of Jesus. It's already part of who we are. What is your valley stuff? What's the hand-to-hand combat that you are currently engaged in? And you've been looking at the fleshly stuff for too long and you need to get back up the hill and pray instead of fighting physically. Is it your influence, your purpose, your relationships, your family, your job, your health, salvation, healing, blessing? What about our city? A city in love with Jesus, saved, delivered, healed, set free. That we would see the glory of God in this place to greater measure. You know, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would be a people that move past complacency and unbelief and disappointment. That we know the characteristics of God, that He is sovereign, that He is unchangeable. And we choose to go up the hill and we choose to pray. Because what happens up the hill really does matter in the valley. And if we want to see what we know we want to see for the city, for our own lives, for the people that we do life with, up the hill matters. Time up the hill matters. I wonder if we could all just jump to our feet this morning. We might just come at each other. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com.